Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is a man you may remember best as he captained the San Diego State men's tennis team to their first top 25 ranking in program history as a player. Of course, now we know him as the head coach of the University of Alabama men's tennis team. Welcome to the show, Coach George Husak. Coach, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's uh, We've got no players around, so it's pretty quiet. Uh, I got a lot of paper on my desk, but uh, I've been playing Santa the last couple of days, writing cards, delivering T-shirts, gifts, all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> yours will be coming in the mail. Oh, that is very kind of you to say. I have to say, for me, this is the ultimate gift, is getting the op- opportunity to interview all of you coaches. So the gift has already been given. I appreciate that. But I am curious, after... You know, I guess last fall was a little bit different for the SEC, but it's got to be nice to get an, a break after having, you know, pretty much 12 months, 15 months straight of action. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been going it's been going well. We were very fortunate with the SEC last year, uh, certainly in the fall, and I know a lot of other teams, a lot of other conferences didn't have the same the same opportunities, and um, yeah, it's been. It's actually for as slow as it was at one point when we couldn't leave to recruit, um, it became a lot busier. And so Zooming, I'd never heard of Zoom. And so now Zoom <laughs> is as familiar as Kleenex. And um, it's been extremely busy, extremely busy. This was the busiest last six months 
which included the summer session that I've ever had. And uh, a lot of it's just been kind of really starting relationships with our team and our and our new players. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, but I'm ready uh, to take a break and and enjoy the holidays uh, for the first time in quite a while. I feel like Franklin Mutual Fund, George, and Wells Fargo, George, would have been all over that Zoom stock, just like uh, from the get-go. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> your homework. You got my, you're, you, you've done well in your homework. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, back then I had no idea other than, uh, yeah, I could get a paycheck and, and somehow <laughs> move out of home. And now I'm like, I need to keep my paycheck and I need to keep getting better or else I won't have a home. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I feel that completely. Although I will say the degree in finance, probably helpful for a college tennis coach. I didn't realize until really getting into the weeds, you're all mathematicians, balancing your four and a half, balancing the budgets. I feel like that's half the job. Uh, 100%. When people say, what do I focus on? And outside of player development, I mean, I've got the pie in the sky for the four and a half nonstop. And then when you when you mix in cost of attendance and, you know, now there's an Alston deal and um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So and everyone's got their unique way of of doing it and selling it. And, you know, at the end of the day, we try and make a, an imperfect system be as perfect and fair as possible. Um, and at some places it's, you know, the, the steak is thicker and juicier, um, where other places it's not really steak. You're just trying to make it taste that way. (laughs) No, it's, it's fascinating for me to watch again, the mechanics of college tennis play out. And, you know, obviously for your team last season, I'm sure it was a great relief and a great benefit to your program. Certainly when the NCAA announced at the end of their, you know, March of 2020, whenever that was that they were going to afford that extra year of eligibility to all the seniors who had 2020 wiped away by COVID. And, you know, you look at what your team was able to do last season for, 14 and 12 overall. I want to go back even to the beginning because I was, you know, we watched that national indoor kickoff weekend. We had the opportunity to cover it and you guys play. I know you go 0 and 2, but two, you know, really good matches against NC State, against Ole Miss and talking to so many SEC men's coaches, they talk about the hidden duels you guys were able to play last fall and that those were a really good opportunity to see your team compete before the season. I'm curious if you felt that way as well, how helpful were those hidden duels in the fall? Is that something, you know, is that a trend you could see emerging more frequently in college tennis? Yeah, I thought they were, I mean, we practice um, to prepare for a dual match season. So why not play hidden duels? And so when we talked about the idea and Josh Goffey and I both were like, let's just divide up every, every weekend into a region and, and carry forward a plan and you, you know exactly when you're playing, what you're playing, what you're doing, and you're preparing for what you're doing in the spring. So it's so it was a very good thing, and we actually continued it this past fall um, as well to a certain degree. And and I thought it was I thought it was really good. I think the the downside is that the fall is also I mean it's such an up and down thing. Tons of excitement at the beginning, and then you get into regionals, and then once regionals passes. You know, guys are either hitting another gear or they're downshifting and now focusing their attention to studies or, oh, it's a little colder. And now you get some, you know, the coughs and the sneezing and the fevers. So the fall is still, is just, it's just weird in a sense, but it's truly preseason. So why not, why not do the hidden dual thing? And if we can get some scoring that is not going to 
violate our number of competition dates, then it then it could be a little bit more fun. So, you know, trying to have a, a conference versus conference hidden duel, and then at the end of the weekend, okay, who is the best conference? You know, and do something like that because that'll attract more attention, I think, to the hidden duel, and it makes more sense. No one ever knows to come out when to come out for an individual tournament, and I do buy the the argument of well, you want guys to play through a tournament, yeah, but. I mean, our golden jewel is the dual match. So um, while I was part of a committee that revamped the fall schedule years ago and it was never, it was shelved, um, I'm kind of glad it was shelved because I, I feel like we gotta, we gotta promote our dual match a lot more than what we do and we can use the fall for that. And if you don't want to, then go play individually, but the fall is our, our open and blank canvas to do what we want, but we have to develop, period. No, it's so fascinating to hear you say that, and we'll get back to your team's 2021 season, but I mentioned beforehand I want to pick your brain on some big-picture college tennis topics, and it's fascinating to hear you describe the college tennis fall, quite frankly, just as weird, because I think that's an, a sentiment that many fans, many other coaches would echo as well. And so my question to you here is, how does college tennis both maximize and optimize the fall? Like, what should the role of the fall in college tennis be? In my opinion, the fall should, well, from a, a bigger association source, I think we got to sell our dual matches and this hidden dual approach. I, I do. I mean, there are scrimmages. We can have scrimmages, but we have to have the governance that allows for us to make it entertaining for the fan and and really for the guys i mean we've had discussion i've had discussions with my assistant coach hey what if the state of texas played the state of california and there were six schools from each state you went to lake nona and you played hidden duels and at the end of the weekend you had the state winner and to me that's more sellable um and it's more enjoyable it's easier to connect it's easier to follow um and I also feel like there's more of a, I say a buy-in, but on developing the players. So I get the fall and playing individual tournaments, but guys are pretty much chasing points. If they're not ATP points, then they're UTR points. And if they're not UTR points, then there's some sort of other ITA ranking point. So now we're focusing on results and guys are too concerned with how far they go in tournaments. And so what are we doing in the fall? to me, we're not developing the guys and let's take them through what the spring is really going to be like. And I've had a number of falls where the fall results have not, have been complete opposite of what the spring is both positively with a negative effect and vice versa. So again, I think it should be left up to the coaches, but as an association, I think we can do a better job. And this isn't any sort of knock on the ITA because we're involved in a ton of stuff. It's not their deal, but I do feel like we need to simplify things um, and focus on on why people come to college tennis. They don't come to college tennis to watch uh, Mazin Osama, who was five in the country or two in the country one year in singles, play an individual tournament. They may come to see him, but really they want to see, you know, Florida and Baylor. Yeah. They want to see Florida, Florida State. They want to see Alabama, Auburn. They want mm -hmm. Michigan, Ohio State, the dual match. And I think that we're we're missing things in a little bit, and I could get into trouble with that. But I, I've gone from tailoring the fall the way all of us want to what's best for us. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is 
we got to have team events. And if guys want to go play individually, sure, go ahead. That's fine. You have that luxury. We're in the spring. You do not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I think it is. And um, I would continue to push that. No, I, it is a sentiment that echoes very well here on this Crack Rackets podcast. And to your point, and this is not meant to be disrespectful to the ITA, but when you look big picture at college tennis, and I think the the epitomiz- you know the epitomizing of this fact, why is it called the hidden duel? What are we hiding it for? And I know it's the competitive date that is the actual reason for why it's called a hidden duel, but why aren't we marketing these hidden duels? Why aren't we using these fall hidden duels to play around with any format changes you've thought of in the past? Let's see if certain things work. And so, you know, this leads to a broader question I want to ask, and I appreciate your candidness thoroughly. I'm not I promise I'm not trying to get you in trouble with this question, but for college tennis I don't think it's a problem, a product problem. I think it's a marketing problem. Like, I think fundamentally that's what it comes down to, that we need to do a better job collectively of selling the properties we have. Is that something that resonates with you? Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that we can touch so many lives in so many ways. And it's truly evident with the different programs that we're doing um, right now. Um, but I, I also think we can make it a lot simpler. Uh, a lot more cost uh, beneficial Um, and ultimately you know we don't need to have a powwow session to figure out you know how we're going to have practice courts or qualifying and main draw at Tulsa they they do their thing they've been doing it forever so keep doing it we got to figure out how we can have you know the SEC play the ACC in a hidden duel and crown a conference a faux conference champion. Like what they do in and, basketball, that Big Ten SEC challenge or ACC challenge. Right, right. And, um, you know, actually in fall of 2020, I had eight teams coming. I had eight, an eight-team hidden dual ACC versus SEC, and we had to cancel it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what I wanted. We've got 12 courts here. We're blessed to have six and six, and we were going to have two hidden duels at the same time and mm-hmm. just create that, that, atmosphere, that atmosphere, that environment for the players, the fans, and – and bring in, you know, top schools. And, and that's, that's what, again, that's sellable and it's more fun than trying to figure out, you know, why is this guy on court number 11 and he's in the semis and the guy who's in the concy of the B draw is on court one or whatever, but there are no officials. So officials are roving. So it's not a mirror image of the spring. And we keep talking about, building this full calendar, bring the fall championships to the, or the spring championship to the fall for individuals. And, and as much as it makes sense in theory, I think it would really cripple our sport. It would cripple the development piece of the fall and the, Hey, winning doesn't matter piece of the fall compete, compete period. In the, in the spring, you have to compete. We got to win, but in Mm -hmm. the fall, compete and um you know if we if we bring fall championships or uh, an ncaa championship to the fall i think now it's like eyes on the prize and and we lose it we are going to be more hurt than than gain from it yeah that is the per or that is the opinion i've heard from people who are who have reservations about moving the ncaa individual championships is that if you give the ncaa an, an excuse to pull something away that they will do it that they will say you know again once you give them one thing that they're going to take that away permanently um my flip side argument i suppose would be 
isn't the perfect platform, and I know college tennis is an international sport now, but the strongest relationship between any federation in college tennis is the relationship between the ITA and the USTA. As such, often, I don't want to say the burden of marketing college tennis, but the USTA has a bigger investment in the pie than perhaps some of the other entities. With that in mind, I just feel like putting the NCAA individual tournament that second week of the U.S. Open, that's got to be the dream goal we strive for because that is the perfect platform for college tennis. And, of course, second week of a Grand Slam, you're trying to fill time on the stadium courts if you are these these tournaments. And I know logistically that becomes a nightmare, and I have some— thoughts on how to make things a little bit easier you know things like a 12-month rolling ranking so that we're not resetting at the start of each right. year it's well, just that, dropping yeah. out players like yeah. that does that resonate at all with you yeah yeah i mean i think so and and again the u.s open doesn't impact our playing and you know our playing season the start of our playing and practice season so i mean we're generally starting our 20-hour weeks uh, the weekend or the week after the open is over. So if we can finalize it and do it that weekend, I'd, I'd love to hear that that system and and vet that idea and then kind of be done with it. Um, I mean, the, the spring individual championship, it's, it's not great. It's just not great. Um, but putting it at the end of the fall, I, I think then there's too much importance on results in the fall and having it at the beginning of the U S open, it makes sense. I mean, they are the 400 pound gorilla. It's like, they are the mothership. They're not, uh, it makes sense for the ITA, the USTA to have a link there and, and use that platform. Um, and I remember when they did have, uh, kind of a quasi tournament there, um, five years ago, I don't know if they brought in the, the U S collegiate event or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was a great opportunity to showcase things. But, yeah, I mean, I, I again, I think it'd be a great thing, and as well as it provides individuals from places other than the U.S. to compete at the Open in that stage. And international players make up such a huge percentage of college tennis. And it's just tennis in general is all over the world. So... Yeah, if the world is coming to see pros, they're going to see some pretty good players um, if we're able to have something like that at the mm -hmm. Open. Yeah, and, you know, to something I mentioned at the top, you know, while we're nerding out here, would you like to see a 12-month ranking system? And Anything I, I, I but the current way. ranking system is good for me. <laughs> I mean, okay. teams included. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know why we, we don't do the same with teams, really. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all going to iron itself out at the end anyway, so – why are we putting a committee together to determine who the top 75 or 100 teams are when really it's you just let it keep going? Yeah, <laughs> no, going. I, I agree with you roll. there. Uh, on that note, would you, for the individual, because, you know, the December individual rankings, how much do they actually matter? Particularly when you look most prominently, Liam Draxel, Emma Navarro, number one players in the country last year, absent from the rankings list right now. Would you like to see non-college results, UTR metrics incorporated into the college rankings? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that that's that, tough, right? Because yeah, the, the two frames is like again, yeah. again, I think it makes us bigger than what we really are. I mean, just okay. just hang on to the ranking. I mean, Liam Draxel is a great player. He should be one in the country. I mean, yeah. period. So yeah. uh, just leave it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't think we need to determine. 
we don't have to spend that much time. And and I think it's unfair to ask people on a committee to to, to come up who the best players are when when they don't they don't have an idea. Or it's very it's so subjective, so subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's... I think again, if we add in other things, uh, I it just makes it more complicated. Yeah. Who we are who we are. Just leave it. No. Completely fair. I, I again, it's what we'll leave it. There's got to be a formula out there. Someone could do it. We, we can talk to Chris Hallioris. I tell him all the time. Yeah. Give me yeah. one month of time. Figure out the formula. Yeah. Um, but no, it, again, these are the little things that I talking to Pepperdine head coach Adam Schachterly. He references the golf model, where it's like you know the top ten players in golf or whatever have X amount of pro opportunities come with them as well. And it would be yeah. great if there was a college ranking system. You know, top five men and women are playing world team tennis. Top five men and women and i know you know oracle was was trying to create something like that a few years ago i i do think there's there's something there uh for us certainly to explore but with all that said let's go back to explore the alabama 2021 season and you know you look at that season for your team it was an experienced group and yet you know with that said and i'm curious how much this was a byproduct of just you know the lack of fall and uh you know just trying to get everyone acclimated but i believe you played 13 doubles teams during the course of the dual match season yeah what leads to that you know that is on the higher end what leads to that sort of number um i think overall um there were too many cooks in the kitchen and while it was beneficial for us to have all these returnees and great guys part of the program um i we were just trying to figure out i knew what we were capable of doing and we ran out of gas we ran out of gas it was like uh lightning mcqueen coming around for the home stretch and you know he runs out of gas and that 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 great surgeons, you know, we really f- at the beginning at that nat- that kickoff, I scratched my head after and I said, I don't know, guys, I don't, that's that's not just who we're supposed to be. And it was good opportunities, and we kind of build our way back into it. And then we had a a good run of re- momentum going, and then we had to sit out and cancel a couple matches due to COVID, of which we were like forty two for forty two on on um, on testing, and and then. Uh, you know, we kind of revamp again, and you know, we have uh, old, we beat Mississippi State at home, which had been I think the first time in my career here. Mm-hmm. And then we beat Ole Miss on the road, and which we'd done before. But we're like, all right, we got this full head of steam, and I think that was that was it. That was our championship, mm-hmm. and so we just tried to figure out the right combinations, and and I think a lot of what happened last year had to happen in order to lead us to what we have going this year. And um, at the end of it, myself included, well, I, I was dead tired. I was drained. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was it was unfortunate because there are a lot of good players and uh, a lot of good things. But I, when you have options, then that's, again, if we want to throw in UTR and pro events and all that stuff into a college ranking, it's too much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that makes it, that makes it tough. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, when, you know, again, I know there are so many different seniors on that team last year. And I believe from a returning standpoint, it's just Rudy and Patrick back on yes. campus here this season. And so I'm curious for you, you know, again, with that, because you guys make it to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I'm, I actually, before I get to this year, was it nice to not have the 500 rule hanging over your head? Is that something you'd like to see go away permanently? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like for it to go away. Um, 
but but last year I didn't really think about it. Sure. Um, I remember when it first came into play, and I was talking to David Rudidi in my first year, and he said, "Well, I don't know. I got to figure out the 500 rule." And I was like, "Ah, 500 rule. I mean, you either you either you got to be 500. I mean, come on. If you're not 500, you shouldn't be going to the NCAs." And then first year we we make the NCAs, and the second year, lo and behold, we're 28 in the country, and we're we're one under. 500 and we we don't get to the ncas and i was like yeah i think 500 rule is important now so (laughs) so it it wasn't uh yeah i mean i'd I'd love for it to go away i think that um i think some of the stuff that we've done with double headers and i mean i i guess i am i am the reason why we got rid of that well not really me maybe it's more of a of michael Haggerty playing six matches in a day uh arkansas women and vandy women um i think that's why there's no more than a double header in a day but i just it's it's not right it's not right to keep kids out for that long and and so it'd be better that we don't have that rule and i'm not sure how many other sports have that rule really so mm-hmm. if you beat who you're playing and you're stuck in a conference i mean i don't think it makes you any better of a team if you're you're beating teams that you should beat um, just to get above 500. Mm-hmm. How good was the SEC last year? Just feels like the biggest difference between college tennis today and college tennis even five years ago, ten years ago. It's just it's the depth. It's like team rank number 40, 45, 50, all the way downwards is so much better, or are all so much better than their counterparts were in the past. Yeah, no, they they were deep, and I you know, and this year we're really good again. I mean, it's every year, it just seems like it's getting better. But I remember we made as a head coaching group, we made the decision about five years ago to get away with the clinch clinch format and um, to have the option to play out matches even after. And I don't know what it was, but we just got guys to to have results, um, to have more results. So you either won or you lost. And and I think that helped our development. And certainly playing last fall. And in a team format, and it wasn't crazy like, okay, I got to go play at a high school, and then I got to come to the main site, and then I got to go stop by Subway, and I got to do this, got to do that, and these individual tournaments. Again, it was simple, and the hidden dual thing, I think it kept everyone together, more Mm -hmm. driven, and people played, Mm -hmm. period. They played. They got a win or they got a loss, and they played. And you knew exactly when they were playing, and that's why it was deep last year. And uh, and I think it's going to be – Man, I just saw that uh, Ethan Quinn's going to start in January at Georgia. I mean, it's it's uh, if you're not ready to to put on glo- or to fight without gloves, then you're in the wrong you're in the wrong place. Yeah. No. Again, the quality across the board has been sensational, and obviously, again, to get back, you bring back two returners, the rest of the roster completely new. And I know you know some of the guys, you know Juan Martin and and uh, I believe Jao, They you know they're they're not freshmen, uh, but you know they're all new to the Alabama campus. I'm curious what this off season has been like for you. It's got to be fun to get a new group, right? It's like turning a new page. It's a new chapter. Well, for sure. And the and the last group that that finished up last year, I think that I don't know if we were we had to been in the small percentage of teams that kept all their seniors and all their seniors were starters. Mm-hmm. And and those guys were so important to our growth. I mean, I was I was on the hot seat big time and I put myself <laughs> there back in after 2016 and um 
and I remember what I felt, what it felt like then. And I knew that we had to rebuild and mm -hmm. that first year was kind of very partial, but still building. And then these guys, these guys that were seniors last year came in and our, just the drive and the motivation, just the standard, just elevated. So we got everything we could out of that, out of that group. So when they left, it was tough to see them go, but it was like, it was ready. We were all ready to be separated. And then knowing, you know, out of a roster of 12, 10 are gone. And really, Rudy, who came last January, I mean, he's pretty much brand new. So the off season was, all right, guys, you new guys, you're coming in July. And this is something that we've done for the last few years, but we bring in new guys in the summer and we onboard them. And it's not about, hey, we got to practice every day um, because it's up to them from a voluntary standpoint. They want to train, but we get started with the re relationship building right away. Um, and that is not only before they signed the letter of intent, but after we're constantly in communication. I knew with this group being from all over the world that we all needed to understand each other. We, we have eight countries, eight players, eight different languages, and we're all coming here to compete. And so six of those guys came in July and I threw them in two dorm rooms and said, all right, guys have at it, you know, smell. Uh, scream, oversleep, you know, mess up, whatever, uh, fight, whatever it is. And you guys want to train. We're going to be here. Our fitness guy is going to be here. Our physios here. And it was all about them getting to know each other and the coaching staff for 30 days straight and, um, and also going to class. And so understanding the responsibilities there. So it was eight to six, eight to eight, really every day um, for them. And that was extremely important. And then once it started in August, uh, Patrick came back a little early. And then German, who had issues getting a visa to get over here earlier, you could see he had a huge uphill. I mean, he had such a learning curve that mm -hmm. the other guys didn't. Um, so at the beginning, you know, there's tension and their, you know, tempers flare a little bit. And you just, I say nothing. I just let it marinate. And um, here by the end, I mean, I feel like this group is so close and so tight and so ready to do well. And um, I, I feel very lucky, feel very lucky. They're all super, super guys. And the last group that was here were super guys, but you know, with a smaller group here, um, bringing them in in the summer. And, you know, those are, those are experiences. I know that they will never feel heat like they did in July until mm -hmm. next July, um, but that'll always be with them. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's again looking at the roster. I think it's what one, two, three, four different freshmen uh, joining the team this year, and obviously one more team new as well. And I'm curious with so many new faces, and you sort of emphasize it there, just getting them acclimated. But you know, when you look at the results you saw from your guys, what growth did you see on the court? And from a doubles perspective, again, was this fall more about putting in the plays and getting them in the system, or was it trying to find pairs and continuity? Uh, I was first more system related and sure. just expectation. Mm -hmm. And so that was very important. So we spend 80% of our time practicing for 20%, which are matches. So when we practice, it's how to practice, how, you know, the expectation when you show up, what your day looks like. Um, you know, it, the pairings, I just felt like it was going to organically happen. And we could tell at the beginning, we had one thought and it kind of went a different way. And it just happened kind of on its own. Um, 
I think each guy improved immensely. They got more clear with what they want to do. Um, and I'm super excited for the spring because I don't think it's going to be anything like the fall. I think it's going to be way better because I know that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of them wanted to really do, okay, we got, we're all brand new. Well, I'm going to take, I'm going to be the top guy or I'm going to be the top guy. And we had some guys that did better than others. Uh, but we had some other guys that, that ran into some, you know, fluky injuries and, um, you know, other guys that, um, like German, um, he came late and was trying to figure out the damn language. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just trying to understand everything. So I, I think at the end of the day, it was really about the system, but about allowing them figure stuff out, figure stuff out. And we were always there, you know, their brothers in the locker room were there. Their uncles and the assistant coaches were there. Their, you know, surrogate dad and me was there. They had mom as our trainer. They got plenty of aunts and uncles helping them around campus. And in the end, they, they, this last week, you know, they wrote stuff up on this whiteboard about what they want to accomplish and what they're going to do over the break. And it was all unsolicited. So I know they're very driven. They're very motivated. Um, they love being here. I love having them here. And I couldn't be more pumped for the spring. Yeah, no, awesome. And it, it should be, a, again, a really fun group. And you look at that spring schedule for you guys, Mercer, Samford to start things off. Then you're playing Oklahoma State at home. I know you've got the kickoff weekend where I believe you guys are headed down to Kentucky. Or, uh, excuse me, you guys are headed down to Starkville. And by the way, very creative, guys. Mississippi State, Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas, because we're not going to see that later in the year. Appreciate yeah. that um, yeah. from all of you. But, you know, looking at uh, the schedule you guys have this year obviously after that kickoff weekend memphis uab oklahoma tulsa before you start your sec season oh i know blue gray as well and i want to ask you about blue gray but talk, talk to me about the scheduling principles obviously that is that is no easy task for a really young group yeah and i um the oklahoma state thing was a late ad and and very grateful to have them come down here and they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of guys that have just spent their first you know semester together um, and they're going to be coming after us. They want to do good. But the, the schedule overall, um, I think we're at a position now the way we've been practicing. And I just felt confident that we could handle the punches. We have to prepare ourselves for SEC. And what we do in practice prepares us for competition. Mm -hmm. So over the summer, like I think a lot of our guys, there's not a lot separating our guys. And what I saw over the summer is like the first two weeks, Rudy, who had been here for a while, he knew everything, how to do things, what we wanted to do. He's beating the crap out of the guys. Like, I don't mean like winning. Oh no. I just mean like he's moving them around. He's causing discomfort. And then all of a sudden these guys start getting a little better. And the last, last two weeks of July, he's getting pushed around. If you didn't show up ready to compete and to dig yourself out of a hole or put someone in a hole, you were going to get beat up period. It was going to be mentally and emotionally taxing. And that's the way we try and make every practice. Um, we're not trying to make guys, uh, you know, do sprints or, you know, physically wear them down, but we need, we create our practices so they have to figure stuff out. And then we, we let go of the, you know, we unhandcuff them, take them off and we say, okay, go ahead and, and compete on your own here and battle. And all throughout the fall, if you came in with any 
inkling that you weren't going to compete really well in practice, you got your butt kicked. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we do enough preparation in practice to warn a schedule that we have. And I know we're going to take our licks, but we're going to have our opportunities. And we've got a group of guys that are salivating at opportunities. Now, how are they going to respond after losing a match that they feel like they should win? Um, that remains to be seen. But I mean, I've seen my son lose a flag football game and be pissed off and you just got to let them be. So with these guys, it's about them and only about them and whatever happens happens, but we're going to prepare them really well. And, and uh, I, I love our schedule and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, again, we got to be prepared for it. So yeah. why not throw them, throw them out there? Yeah, no. I mean, again, it, it should be a really fun dual match. You, you talked about this earlier, getting, you know, eight fun teams or conference-conference battles. I feel like the blue-gray is a pretty close facsimile to that. Like, I feel like that's a really fun – I think that's one of the hidden gems on the tennis calendar. Yeah, and I when I was in my first job, I heard of the blue-gray, and that's when they play. It was men only, and it was four matches in a row. And I could never get our teams invited to it, and – um I know over the years when we went to a certain number of dates and 500 rule, uh, that prompted the three matches in two day schedule. And so it's really taxing. It's really taxing, but it's so necessary. It's like that, you know, that, that morning run or that afternoon workout that you really don't want to do, but it's so necessary. Um, and, but, but once our guys who have played there before, um, they love going down there because of the connection that we have to the families. I mean, for the last nine seasons, out, actually outside of last year because of COVID, we've stayed with the same families. We have a, a great connection with them. Um, and the last two times we've gone, we've lost in the final and, and guys can't stand it. You know, I've got these runner-up bowls in my office and guys are like, mm -hmm. I don't want to see that. So these guys, <laughs> these guys outside of Patrick, they have no idea what it means to lose in the final. Um, and so it means a lot. And then, you know, right after that weekend, you're like, okay, guess what? Um, SECs are coming. So that's okay. That's okay. We're going to be okay. But that, that is a necessary event and they do a great job and it's improved a ton over the years. And um, I'm not sure what's going to happen when we start, when we expand our conference in a few years, but that's again in you know you bring that tournament to the fall as a hidden duel conference versus conference and the town will eat it up but we got to have some sort of creative and acceptable scoring um, so. yeah all right no well with that in mind something else i wanted to do with you on today's show is talk about some of those creative formats some of the scoring changes uh that i think are some hidden opportunities perhaps still available in college tennis and of course some of them do come off as gimmicky but i, I want to just start here fundamentally because obviously you know dating back to your time i believe it was coaching santa clara and obviously as an illinois assistant and at usc you've seen a bunch of different scoring formats that said has no ad stuck with you has it grown on you yeah i mean i grew up that's what i played in college yeah. and i hated it but it was there it's <laughs> fine yeah sure i love the the deuce ad deuce ad and the physical i can buy the argument but it's good it's there's the defined start defined end so that's that's key Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like the sudden death aspect. Like, I do think that adds an element of intrigue, and I, I don't think it compromises development, and I suppose a coach could speak best to that. Yeah, and, yeah, and, 
and for the time, whatever, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. no ad. I mean, what am I really developing? Am I really developing a bad habit with no ad? No, it's, it, it's just a different thing and it's fine. I mean, that's, that's all again, the, the beauty of college mm-hmm. is to have something a little bit different, but 95% the same, mm-hmm. you know, as if you want to go play a pro and there I've been around plenty of guys who are doing just fine on the tour. Mm-hmm. So yeah, doesn't well, matter. Well, with that said, let's talk about again the product itself, which I think is fantastic. The tennis being played continues to be excellent. That said, and I'm not talking about the hardcore fans, for the casual fans, 40 minutes of doubles, it's as exciting as it gets. It's Russian roulette, it's a rat race, it's a sprint, the energy, the just all of it, the adrenaline. You're at you have this huge high coming off of that. And then unless you're a nerd, like the first 40 minutes of singles, there's definitely a lull there. And I'm curious if you feel that lull and if you're concerned about it at all. One coach phrased it to me as it's you're creating a permission structure for fans to leave. I wonder if you feel that way. Yeah, no, it does. And when we when we reduced, you know, shortened the doubles format, you know, it made sense. Um, the doubles is such a <laughs> roll of the dice now. Um if you're not on, you're going to, you're going to get waxed in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's where the, you know, to try and tighten that up, like you give them a taste, but if, if doubles does go 40 to 45 minutes, you are running the risk of losing still a lot of your, a lot of your crowd for the entire match. So mm-hmm. the quicker the doubles, the better, uh, the, the four, one scoring, uh, the four singles, one doubles. I wasn't a huge fan of, I'm still really not. Um, because I think that just gives more reason to cut resources and coaches and um, just players. Um, so I think that's a really risky move. But it makes sense to have everything being played at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't like singles first. I like doubles. I don't know. I, I think we we just work on on more of promoting how exciting the entire match is rather than I just feel like we're always so quick to change. I mean, this sport has changed more in the last 10 years than in my first 10 years, you know, and, and I don't, I don't think we have to be so quick to what, you know, someone says about a particular format. I mean, uh, I just think we gotta, we gotta chill out a little bit mm-hmm. and promote what we have and make great use of it. And uh, again, find other ways to start the excitement earlier, like in the fall, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and throughout this and throughout the summer, you know, with with individual events and highlights. So. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a fair point to make. I I don't want to say I'm worried because I don't think that I would love college tennis no matter what. I think simultaneous starts coming down the pipeline. Like I really do. I yeah. think whether it's four singles, one doubles, or something along that line. It is the way to get everything at once. There's no pause. And, you know, I know some. So there's been some suggestion I've heard. Well, you know, maybe instead of that, just as soon as a doubles match is done, the players aren't waiting around for doubles to end. If you have a singles match ready to go, you send it on and you play. And just so there is less pausing in the sport. But I do think, you know, simultaneous start does alleviate that lull. Yeah, it, it does. It does. And it, it makes practical sense. I don't know where we're headed you know, in the next 10 years from a technology standpoint or mm-hmm. just watching events at all. So, 
and I don't, I'd rather be proactive than reactive. Sure. Um, but geez, I mean, we can't even, we can't even figure out, you know, a normal fall. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. just listen. like, so again, that, that's a pretty big, massive change simultaneous in my mind. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to come down, but like, we haven't even gotten into like, let's get, you know, let's get these program. Let's get you. Yeah. Come over and do our SEC podcasts, right? Yeah. Our SEC broadcast match of the week. Let's start working on on things like that and building what we have before we start looking for something better. So I feel like we ha- we've gone on a, a first date you know, <laughs> every year. It's like we get the first date, but we don't quite get the callback. We yeah. got a great NCAA thing, and then it drops. And now we're reinventing the wheel and doing funky rankings and trying to figure out who's coming in and who the best newcomer is. And in the end, it's like, let's really continue to shape and mold our product, which was awesome last year. Um, and really, I mean, geez, just look what Ben Shelton has done since that time. And mm-hmm. if you're a college tennis fan, you got to be so fired up for this year and who the next stars are going to be to emerge or they're coming back to watch him. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, no, so, I I agree with you. The, where I would switch the analogy, I don't think it's a first date. I think it's a really good wedding weekend where it's like three days in a row. You love. Like, it's like, oh, this is great. Yeah. I found a partner here, and then we're back to our separate corners of the universe. And it's like, well, I guess we're not going to pursue this as we should. Um, yeah, yeah, that would yeah. be the analogy I go with. Um, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You see where my head's at. But it, right, but it's a broken record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very, yeah. very fair said. So, so with that in mind, still, I know these are a little gimmicky but i some other fun suggestions substitutions how fun would it be if you know end of the match get the lights going get the scoreboard going coach usacks bringing in the closer or how many times have you been sitting there been like like i should have played a different lineup today just like a soccer substitution system where you sub in you sub out you're done but i I wouldn't hate it yeah it's gimmicky again you know i'm if i'm okay i'm at alabama that's great you know i got lights i got whatever if i'm at santa clara i'm like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) i don't have a closer my closer is he's on court he's not closing he's getting roughed up Mm -hmm. so i i that's i think the beauty of our sport is that we have such a wide array of tennis but it's still tennis Mm -hmm. and again if we start making changes, I think it's going to have a, a greater impact on those that don't have all the things that that I do or Georgia does or mm-hmm. you know other schools. So I, yeah, I mean, when I was at Santa Clara, it was great if we had twenty people out. Yeah. So I don't know if they cared. I think they just wanted us to win. Fair. So. No, that's very very fair. One more I would throw at you though that I think would have unanimous approval across the board. Coin toss is a wasted opportunity. Let's get rid of that. Start of every match, one point, drop and hit, head coach versus head coach, winner decides the serving arrangements. Alabama wow. crowd's going, George, George, George. Like, yeah. how do we not love My, that? I tell you, if we could play, if we could bring out a ping pong table, I'd be more, <laughs> I'd be more interested. The last thing I want to do is play a point, and I know my body can't can't handle that the so accountability mind, the players can you george have lost four in a row like get on the I line Demi out there my assistant i mean that guy will battle that guy will play tennis till he's 110 yeah. so i like um, it i just want to see you all chip in charge who can make that one passing yeah. shot 
If we can play, uh, you know, I've got my old rackets. I got a T2000 and a board <laughs> Bancroft in my office here that I grew up with. If we can play with those, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Work. That works for me. Yeah. Or let's just do rock, paper, scissors. Get the competition going. I want to hear why is 42% rock the percentage play? Or just say, hey, half of the lineup is serving, you know, visitors <laughs> yeah. are first, the other half home serve. I mean, yeah, we don't need all that stuff. Yeah. There are little, I think there are little improvements that can be made. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, I, I don't think we, you know, we're tennis. Everyone yeah. knows tennis. They, everyone loves to play, even if they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I can't even get two balls in play, yet they're out there hitting the ball. Yeah. So we have something that's coveted. Um, and I think maybe by trying to do something that we're not or create something that some people will like, uh, I think in the end it's hurt us because we keep, you know, it's like the racket companies. Oh, I'm going to change this racket. Two years later, I got another racket. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just changed the paint. Yeah, <laughs> not. We changed a lot more. So it's, you know, just just sit tight, sit tight. You know, I know we're in a TikTok world but just hang on, mm-hmm. hang on. No, I like it better than what we have. No, so and I'm sure that's just my my age uh, <laughs> coming through. No, I I like it. Was it a little get off my lawn? I'm not going to say no, um, but no, I, I I agree with you, and I agree with the sentiment. And you know, with that in mind, some fun questions. Well, some serious, some fun down the home stretch. I am curious. You talk about the changes in college tennis, and for me, it's been so fascinating to hear all of these coaches answer this question. But right now, obviously. I do think broadly transferring has been destigmatized in a way it wasn't, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It's no longer it's a bum player, it's a bum coach, it's a bum program. Sometimes fits just don't work. That said, from a recruiting aspect, I'm curious how you balance finding four year players, finding the freshmen who you can come in and build in your program versus knowing, hey, I can find a five, I can find a six if I go and look on the transfer portal. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I'd rather have a freshman. Sure. Um, and and that was after one year of trying to to get someone here. And um, I, I think there's just too much, too many expectations wrapped up into what could happen. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm Baylor and I'm going to get, you know, I tried to get Charlie to come here. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, I, I, I get along great with him. And <laughs> I think he enjoys coming here because he always beats the crap out of our guys. So, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's going to go play for a national title and play five. And I'm like, geez, but I guess if you, if you have that opportunity, you have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I just think that it's, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. And I'd rather have the gamble of someone who's a freshman who's learning, who's there because of the opportunity and the relationship that was created. And I don't think that a situation is so bad that guys have to transfer that means they really didn't do their work before or it's either it's really bad and yet I haven't heard of a really bad situation, meaning there's no practices or the coach is a deadbeat or whatever. Um, they're not getting opportunity. Okay, well, you made the choice to go to a team of 12 guys that all play and are all good. So, all right, I can buy that. But then what happens when you put on my, my jersey? <laughs> what are you feeling? And it's, I think it's scary. I think it's, I think it's scary for some because this whole expectation comes with it. And it's different if you're coming in as a freshman versus coming in as a, 
as a transfer. And uh, the, the guys that we got this year, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time recruiting them mm-hmm. uh, and talking to them and not really selling us, but I, you know, it's a buy and sell. We're buying them. They're buying us. They're, we're selling us. They're selling themselves. And um, I mean, really, at the end of the day, if I feel like, God, I can go out and have some lunch with this guy or maybe 10 years from now, go have a beer with him. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that, that I want to be around. And that's a beauty of the job. We get to pick who we want to be around. Um, and the transfer thing is, is dicey. And I'm just glad I'm not in football or, or basketball. <laughs> um, but, you know, the situation is how much better are they going to make your team? For some, maybe a lot, but yeah, I'm I'm a bit, I'm not close to it. I'm open to it, but it's, um, I'd rather have the freshman. Yeah. Well, again, I can't emphasize this enough. Incredibly grateful for your candidness on all of these things, because I do think right now you mentioned it and it's across all college sports, but college tennis is in a time of change. So it is that the best part of this series has been getting to hear from all of you coaches about these things. Uh, all right. Now some fun down the home yes. stretch not that you didn't oh, have no. so much fun these first 50 minutes but now no no i wish i could give you one of these candy canes i mean i want to go and determine which lifesaver candy cane tasted the best you know? oh i can answer that unequivocally and it's not the original anything yeah. that's not <laughs> the original is the answer and no. also on that note you know candy corn horrifyingly bad <laughs> horrifyingly bad i am a Reese man through and through now yeah. i could i have begged dalton and Westoff, who I work with, let me do 30 minutes on the various brands of Reese's. I was like, it's December. No one cares. And yeah. he was like, no, you can't do that. But that's had some fun. You talk about spending these time with these freshmen. And for a lot of these college tennis fans, our listeners, unfortunately, they just haven't had the chance to hear from you directly. So give me the pitch. Why should I come down to T- Tuscaloosa? Why should I be rolling tide? Well, well, because, uh, well, number one, I think the the thing we have eight guys on our team. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to come and develop your game, so this isn't necessarily the fun part, but we're bringing you here for tennis. Um, so I'm going to go anti fun on you. I'm not even <laughs> going to bring you for a football game because okay, everyone good. wants to come to a football game. Now mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not your turret. I'm not your tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. So if you want to really play tennis, then come here. We've got eight guys. Everyone's in the mix. I don't have practice only players. I only have guys on the team that I feel that can play. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the three coaches. You've got every resource in the world. Although I know that uh, to some we're under resourced versus some other uh, some other schools. Um, but but we care. We mm-hmm. care about competing. Everyone. On, I'm here because of the people in this community. And again, I can't sell you that. You got to feel it. You got to come down here. You got to hear a roll tide randomly um, when you're at a store or, you know, you're coming at the airport. You know, people are, I've had many times people say roll tide to me and the recruits coming down and, you know, God bless ESPN and that commercial many years ago. (laughs) Um, But it's such an exciting time, you know, and I know football, and Coach Saban, they get a lot of credit. And now Coach Oates in basketball, you know, it's giving, putting us on the map. But we have incredible people down here. And I think it's it's hard for a 17-year-old to see. Um, but a 17-year-old with a parent um, is really important. I think that, um, you know, my family is very much involved. And, and 
you know, not that I'm, my family is at practice every day, but you know, my kids care. My mm -hmm. kids are here because of me. My family cares. Um, my wife cares. My assistant, um, one of the best competitors I've ever coached against when he was at Texas, he was a beast. Mm -hmm. And as a pro, you know, he had to, he had to do things that were really tough. And, and that's who I think, and, and he cares and we're around him. And so I, it's the relationship, the relationship that starts and you're not just a racket or a point. Um, so I, I just, it's exciting to be here. We got every resource known to, to man and women. And, um, and you have to try to fail here. You really have to try to fail. Now it doesn't mean you're going to win the championship, which I know best it's, it's damn hard in the conference, but it fuels it. You keep climbing, you keep, keep trying to get better. And, and you're surrounded by other coaches and other athletes that are trying to really outdo football mm -hmm. They're That's what they're inspired by. When football loses, you're kind of like, God, that stinks. <laughs> and you're like, well, there's my opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so it's just exciting to be in a town that cares so much about the university in a state that has no pro sports. Um, again, from a development side, we've got eight guys. We're together all the time. There used to be a, uh, one of the reasons was that we can only travel eight in conference, but that rule has been mm -hmm. ex-nade. But we're eight guys. I'm not going to bring nine or ten guys on a trip for what? Mm -hmm. So we're eight guys. We're together all the time, all the time. We celebrate and suffer together mm -hmm. and we're in it we're in it to win it um but but really we're in it to get better and the opportunity is here i i moved to tuscaloosa because of the people but because of opportunity and that's why i try and bring out to the freshman the the 17 year old which i think it's tough for an american to to trust that and come to tuscaloosa we try and try and try um, and I think it's a little easier for, for an international person um, before they start talking to everybody. And then we probably get negatively recruited anyway um, <laughs> about being in the South and the conservative South. But people, they love you down here. And not from a vanity standpoint, but they really want you. They, they feel such an allegiance. And, um, and it's, it's really an honor to be here. Like, I, I don't want to be anywhere else. This place is magical. Yeah. It really is magical. No, and the good news is my Wolverines will provide your Tide football team the opportunity to lose later in January. So you're welcome uh, for well, that. Again, we, we are not going to talk about the Wolverines because we got Bearcats only. Oh, exactly. One at a time. Yeah, that's well trained. Even Coach Saban's got his hands on you. That's good to see. Um, yeah. that, just in case he hears this, see, no one in the athletic department is looking ahead. Um, well, I tell you, the the – the uh, re I mean, the outside of the people, there's one person in particular, Mal Moore, former athletic director, who, sure. who died seven, eight months after I was hired. But during the recruit, I mean, I'm here because of his speech and, mm -hmm. and what he said to my wife and I. But he said, you know, there are lots of tigers, there are lots of bears, <laughs> but there's only one crimson tide. And <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Tons of bulldogs. Everything else, but there's only one Crimson Tide. I love it. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, again, with that in mind, I know it's still early. It's NIL, you talk about Tuscaloosa being a college town. I feel like the college towns are the one best situated to take advantage of NIL. And that does, that will impact college towns at some point, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and they're working through the details on how it impacts internationals, but sure. there's certainly opportunities. I mean, our we have several of our football players. I mean, I saw a billboard today that's been up for about, I don't know, six to eight weeks of one of our linemen, and, um, you know, it's great. The, the town loves them. Our, our softball pitcher, who's a stud, she's had more deals than, than I could ever imagine <laughs> yeah. having, and the, the question is, how are they going to perform? And I know that everyone got all over the negative press of, oh, Bryce Young, our starting quarterback, million dollars worth of deals, and he hasn't even played a real game or won a game yet. And it's like, well, Heisman. So, <laughs> again, there is proof in it. I, 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 I support whatever is in front of them now that the rule has changed with NIL, but I just think, why are we, why are we throwing more stuff at mm -hmm. kids um, but going back to your original statement of in a college town, you know, the town loves the kids, yeah. the town loves the kids. And when I was in LA, it didn't, you know, it had to take us three times in a row to win the championship before <laughs> and a connection to orange County before I saw a picture of Stevie Johnson <laughs> on the side of a bus yeah. in orange County, not in LA. So, I mean, it takes a lot to influence a big city and in a, in a small town, it really, um, you know, there's a lot of pride in that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, there's a positive thing to it. No, I love to it. Negative, some I'm not that strongly for. But, Fair. Yeah. But with that said, you've opened up the Pandora's box. I'm going to just keep it to two questions on this topic because I could ask you a million. Is the 2011 college tennis final, UNC, USC, Virginia, Daniel Wynn, diving volley versus Sanam Singh. You obviously know that match pretty well. Is that the best match in college tennis history? Uh, the best individual match? It, yeah, you'd say. It, or, or, no, no, or team, match, team match, team match, team match. Team match. Wow. I actually thought the one the next year was pretty good, too, at Georgia. Yeah, Indoor. the rain delay kind of. I mean, the that rain. they took doubles was great. I mean, was great. Yeah. I was. I, don't, I didn't mean it. Oh, I, I got into college tennis because those Virginia teams were my first teams. And yeah, like, right. Yeah, you guys right. were the big bad guys at that point. Now, I think I. Anyways. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty incredible. I mean, it was pretty incredible for sure. That yeah. match, um, from a personal standpoint, that's where I grew up. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't. I went to Stanford matches. Selfishly, and I've told Peter this. I wish we would have clinched before you came on the court, yeah. um, because it just made me a little bit more emotional <laughs> um, and nervous. But um, but it was a great match. I mean, all those. I've I've been extremely blessed by the people I've been around and the opportunities and. College tennis is just awesome. And I remember being on that court when coaching uh, Santa Clara, playing St at Stanford, and we were ahead in the match. And this is one of Stanford's, one of their bad years, which no one would know unless they looked at the <laughs> record book, right? And I remember we won that match in similar fashion. Interestingly, my guy, rather than throwing the racket forward, he <laughs> tossed it over the fence. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we got a carryover point penalty mm -hmm. to our last match on. We were up a break, got broken back with that point penalty. Our guy freaked, and we lost the match at Sanford 4-3. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good matches, a lot of good matches. <laughs> that Virginia one was good with our band. It was always great to have the USC band there mm -hmm. and – my family, my firstborn was there as an infant and with my wife. And yeah, that was, and my dad was there. So 
Mm-hmm. It was good. I will always remember that match for whatever it's worth. And I have a theory that freshman Damajan, had he not gone to college, would have just slept walked into the ATP top 100. And Easily. it's just, yeah, it's just like he was the original six seven fluid, ridiculous power. Where you're just like you're not supposed to be able to do that at that size. And right. yeah, and it's just right. like he was playing two and like Shabazz Stevie that year, yes. fantastic. And obviously, you got to see all of that as well. That said, my last question on this: Give me your best prank war story. I know those USC teams like to prank one another. I'm curious yeah. if if you, you know. I've heard about the peanut butters on the bus. I've heard a couple of good ones. What's the best you ever got, Coach Smith? Uh, well, I got him a Cialis clock once. Uh, <laughs> that was for his 50th birthday. <laughs> so I had that. Uh, but we would, um, they had a team tradition where all the freshmen on the first road trip would have to dress up in, mm-hmm. in an outfit. And this one time going to a national indoors, we had a banana suit, guy wearing leader, Leverkusen. Uh, but some I learned at, at Illinois was uh, every birthday, pie in the face. Um, and then I carried it to USC and, and the different ways of pieing each other. And then now here at Alabama, you know, having waiters do it or parents do it or a hostess, you know, yeah, we have a table for boom pie. And you're like, wow, I think those pie moments have always been, uh, a lot of fun. And, and I, I thank Brad dancer for, for, uh, yeah, for introducing me to that tradition there at Illinois and, and carrying it forward here. Uh, yeah. to Alabama did you always just when you and Brad were out were you just like yeah I am his better looking older brother because I feel like you guys could pass as brothers well I've I, I had hair when I was working with him <laughs> and so now I, I don't I have gray I it's funny I a lot of the things I've learned from working with different pe- people whether it's uh Sean Burns at my first job at Santa Clara Brad Dancer or Peter Smith they're every day I'm reminded that hey I've got the, the gray on the side kind of like Brad did I've got the peaks and I think about something that Peter would do and I do and uh, my buddy Sean and so yeah I don't know I don't know Brad and I maybe yeah maybe. no it's a good very deal different people though yeah that's very very true that's a fun coaching staff though for sure and um yeah I mean look I'm reserving the right to bring you back on to ask many more stories about those USC years because to me that USC Virginia dynasty I mean, you could draw a through line, what those teams were able to do, the depth you had to have. Like, that 2012 USC team, I mean, with Hanifman at five, Kiro, like, t- what, they're, they're all top 250 players or something crazy like that? Like, yeah. that 2012 yeah. team, you could argue, right there with 98 Stanford as some of the best, maybe, you know, 1B best team all time. I would make that argument for sure. I mean, our number seven guy, Eric Johnson, he yeah. got to 500 something ATP, and everyone else has been top 200. And it's uh, you're it's just a wow factor. And they're starting to play better. Like Emilio Gomez is up to a career high, and um, so and then Rob Farah. That's mm-hmm. before that wasn't part of, of that team, but everyone um, says the real best player was Yak. Like, forget Stevie. Yeah. If Yak would have wanted to, he would have been the pro. Yeah, but he wanted to be a lawyer. So. Yeah, exactly. It's a smart, smart. He yeah. was too smart to mess around with the tour. That was a waste of time. Yeah. The so. what-ifs are he and heart surgeon Ryan Thatcher, who was right. also incredible. Right. It's like, yeah, you probably made the right choice. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That, as you can tell, that's my strike zone. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to reserve yeah. the right to bring you back to talk about that. But, Coach, uh, my final question to you, when fans watch your team compete this year, what do you want the takeaway to be? Wow. 
Yeah. These guys get after it. <laughs> I, get after it. I love I it. I mean, that's, that's it. And, and, and there's no BS, you know, there's no crappy calls or, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, uh, and they watch the guys and they just see a fist pump and it's just like another day at the office. Um, that was fun to watch. It's not over the top, uh, go waves and, uh, or go blue. You know, it's not yelling and screaming, and it's not quiet either. It's just is what we got to do. Mm-hmm. And um, wow, that was fun, and, and these guys acted with class. And I'm coming back. I love to hear that. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Uh, sincerely appreciate your tolerance of all of our nonsense, and obviously wishing you and the team safety, health, success throughout the course of 2022. Hey, thanks for having me on. As you know, I, I love to talk, so I'm I'm to be on whenever. Um, and uh, thank you very much. Happy holidays and appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Take care, Coach Yusek. All right. Take care, Al. Bye-bye.